Uh, if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so uh, after service today. The box is back in the back. Uh, you can give there. Of course, online is always an option. And uh, I know for me, that's much easier than trying to remember to go to the bank every week. Uh, but uh, we are going to get into our scripture for this week. Uh, and uh, so our scripture this week is in Proverbs 27. Uh, if you've been following along in our chapter of Proverbs every day reading for this month, uh, you'll know that today's the 27th of the month, so today we're in Proverbs 27, and we're going to read uh, one verse that is probably one you've heard before, but maybe not in this version, and, uh, and then we're going to read a verse that you probably haven't heard before, but we're going to be all over chapter 27 today uh, if you've got your Bibles with you. Uh, so Proverbs 27, 17, and 19 uh, in the Common English Version. And uh, so 27.17 says this, Just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. And then 19 says, You see your face in a mirror and your thoughts in the minds of others. Uh, so we're in Proverbs chapter 27. You've probably heard the iron sharpens iron verse, and that's the one we're going to get into today. Uh, but Proverbs 27 is rich with a lot of other stuff. Uh, I wanted to specifically note this morning verse 14. Uh, because I think of all the verses in Proverbs 27, verse 14 is the most practical, and it says this, greeting a neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning will be viewed as a curse. Uh, so, <laughs> so if there were ever practical advice uh, in Proverbs, Proverbs 27:14 has got to be that one. Uh, but a lot of the rest of this chapter, uh, and including that verse really, is all about our relationships. Uh, for the better or for the worse. Uh, there are verses uh, that I will not be touching on this morning in that chapter about nagging wives. Uh, you can read those on your own time. Uh, but uh, we talk a lot about relationships in the church because relationships are so important to who we are. They're so important to, uh, to our community. We're trying to build not just as a church, but as people who live in a community, right? We're trying to have positive and uplifting community. Uh, and this chapter is all about that. I was reminded this week of the old phrase, uh, you are who your friends are, right? And, uh, and so most of you have probably heard this old proverb about iron sharpening iron. Uh, this imagery is of sharpening a blade and keeping it sharp, right? Not just that we sharpen it once so that we can use it once, but that you're going to sharpen it and continue to sharpen it as need be because it's something that gets used, right? Iron sharpens iron. Uh, Iron needs other iron in order to stay sharp. Now, since the days of Solomon, we've how we sharpen things has changed a little bit. Uh, we got a little bit better of a process now, a little easier. Uh, but we still have to do it. Anybody who's ever used a knife or anything sharp of any kind, you know you have to sharpen those things to keep them working the way they're supposed to. And as a sword, because that's where the imagery really comes from here in Solomon's time, uh, with a sword, it's being used to do battle. Right? It's, it's taking on nicks and breaks and it becomes dull uh, because you're using it. The point of sharpening it, the reason that you're supposed to sharpen your blade, the point of sharpening it is to restore it when it's so beat up that it can't fulfill its purpose anymore. Right? The, the whole point of being sharpened is to restore it when it gets beat up so that it can fulfill its purpose again. Now, usually... 
we interpret this in a very positive way. We talk about a friend builds up a friend like metal sharpens metal, right? Your friends, the people you spend time with, they help keep you sharp and useful. And in the spiritual world, this means that uh, your friends are the ones who encourage your calling. They pour into your life. They help you get rid of some of those imperfections, right? Your friends are supposed to be making you better. Supposed to be. <laughs> this is the interpretation that most of us talk about in this passage. And we hear messages about choosing the right friends and running away from the wrong ones. And, and it always seems to be about somebody else, <laughs> right? It's all about the people out there that I hang out with. But what dawned on me this week as I was reading this passage again is that while we focus on the people around us and what they do right or wrong, the passage also points to a second aspect, which is that we aren't just supposed to have friends that sharpen, we're supposed to be friends that sharpen. It's a lot easier to read the verse and think, well, I need to look at who I'm hanging out with, <laughs> than it is to look at the verse and say, am I a positive influence? Am I somebody who helps sharpen my friends? And the hardest part about this is it's a lot, I think, it's a lot like when we talk about sin in the church, right? When we ever, we, whenever a preacher preaches on sin, everyone sits and they think about somebody else first, right? They think of somebody in their head, go, oh, man, this person needs to hear this message. <laughs> right? They're the ones who need to hear the message on sin this morning. But messages on sin apply to all of us, right? Because Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short. And so the same is true in this passage, I think. The focus is always on somebody else. But today... Today we're going to focus on us because we don't get the luxury of changing somebody else. We can change ourselves. <laughs> we can be people who sharpen our friends. And if we, want to, if we want people to find friends that can sharpen them, right? If we want people to find these friends that are valuable and help rebuild them and restore them when they're in need, if we want to find those friends, the church ought to be the one place where you can go and guarantee you'll find those people. Because a church is supposed to be this place where all of us are working on ourselves, working on getting closer to Jesus, getting closer to who we're supposed to be. If I'm looking for friends who make me a better person and lead me closer to Jesus, the church should be an easy starting place. But the, the, the sad reality is that for many people, this is not the case. The church, the, the people, are the very ones that dulled their edge in the first place. I mean, how many people, they've even coined a term now, it's called church hurt. Because people go to church and people are rude to them, or they, they do something, or they say something, and it, they get discouraged and slandered and hurt. But the thing is, we can't change the old wounds caused by the church, but we can be a friend that sharpens our friend now. We can be people who, who say, no more, that will not happen here. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to look inward. And we're going to ask the question that's now kind of forming in your mind, how do you do that? How do we be people who sharpen our friends? Instead of insisting that everybody else become the right friends for us, how do we be that friend for somebody else? And I think my first inclination, and maybe yours, is to, to think of those really hard-to-love friends, those friends that you're like, man, I love them, but there's this or this or this. And we think, well... Tough love is technically love, right? I, I have to speak the truth in love to get them out of this slump or this sin or this addiction. And we, it's almost like we try to reason our way into we need to have the really hard conversations with them right this second. Stop. <laughs> there is a time and a place 
for those conversations, right? There's a time and a place for correction and for speaking the truth in love, and, but you've got to use discernment. The problem is that most of us, uh, we don't have a good enough relationship with most people in our lives to have those kinds of conversations, because we can see it. It's obvious that they have this thing that they're dealing with. And to us, the answer is obvious. Right? I don't know about you. I have this happen all the time, right? People will ask for advice, and I'll go, well, this is the answer. How can you not see that? But it's because we have a different perspective when we look from the outside in. We just, there's only so much of their situation we can see. It's that, it's that iceberg picture, right, where you can only see the little tip, and there's so much more below it that you don't know anything about. So remember that I said earlier, the point of sharpening is to restore it when it's so beaten up it can't fulfill its purpose anymore. The world does a great job of beating people up. It doesn't need help. It doesn't need help. People are already doing battle with demons and powers and struggles that we know very little about. And it's why, the, why Jesus, when he talked about people coming to him, he, he said he came because we're supposed to be what? A hospital. A hospital is where people go when they're in need. Now, I don't know about you, I only go to the hospital when I'm in grave need. (laughs) Grave need. (laughs) Right? So in in today's analogy, the church is the place where we're supposed to take these swords, which have been waging battle all week, and sharpen them back up so they can go back out and finish the battle next week. Right? We're We're the hospital tent in the middle of an active war. That's what we're supposed to be. So then... How do we begin to restore people that have been beaten up? How do we begin to sharpen those swords again? How do we be iron for our friends? Well, I've got some ideas on that, uh, as I'm sure you expected. Uh, How do we be iron for our friends? I've got three ways this morning. I've got three ways that you can be a good friend. Three ways that you can help sharpen people who have have been beat up in battle this last week. And all three of them, I think, are pretty simple. None of them are super extensive. None of them are going to blow your mind. They're easy things. All right? The first one is this. To help sharpen your friend, you have to be available. In Proverbs 27.10, in this same chapter, it says this. Don't desert your friend or a friend of your family. Don't go to your relative's house when disaster strikes. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. I read this verse this week, I thought of this. If your house burned down while you were at church this morning, like you go home and your house is gone, where do you go for help? Who do you call for a place to stay, for some food, for clothing? Who do you call? Now, maybe you have the luxury you have family nearby. Right? I know in my, in my family, my brother lives literally across the street from my parents. <laughs> you can just go to my parents. For me, my parents live an hour away. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to go there. Some of you are probably thinking, I got money in the account. I'll just call the insurance. I'll get a hotel. We'll get it figured out. Now, my guess would be that you have way more faith in your insurance than I do. (laughs) So hopefully, hopefully, some of you have friends in mind who would gladly give you a place to live for a while if you needed it. But why don't all of us have those people? Right? Because everyone is so busy. <laughs> right? We don't wanna we don't wanna bother someone. Because we know how people's lives look. It's it's scheduled, 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 scheduled. And we think, oh, if I call them, that'll inconvenience them. They're so busy, they have so much going on, I don't wanna be a bother. 
I mean, let's be honest, we could preach for weeks against the, the busyness culture that we live in in the U.S. Exactly. I'm glad someone's listening. Uh, <laughs> now, I sometimes, I fall into this trap sometimes because uh, we all have this trap, which is that uh, the way that I do it is the right way to do it, right? And so I fall into this trap sometimes, especially when I travel overseas, because uh, my overseas friends are not nearly as scheduled as I am, not even close, <laughs> right? When they, when they say, we'll pick you up at 8.30, we tell the team they'll be here by 9.30, because that's just how it works. They're not nearly as, as prompt and scheduled. And honestly, it makes them way more available, <laughs> because they know that they'll get to this, this, and this today. But by not setting it at exactly this time or exactly this time, if their neighbor calls because their house burned down, they don't feel guilty in saying, hey, I'm going to be late to this thing because I need to take care of this first. They're way more available. In fact, uh, two weeks ago, uh, if you're on our prayer chain, you know, our, two weeks ago, uh, some friends of mine in Pakistan, um, some extremists uh, came through town and uh, burned down not just one church, but all 24 churches in Jaranwala. And so they destroyed or burned every church in the city uh, and some of the homes of the pastors. And one of our friends uh, who was the pastor, they destroyed his home and his restaurant, uh, which we ate in. So that was kind of an interesting, weird feeling. Uh, but they destroyed all of this stuff. And what's been amazing to me to watch is that over the last two weeks, uh, all of my friends from Pakistan that I have on Facebook, all of them, doesn't matter where they live or if they're even close to Jarnwala, all of them are in Jarnwala for the last two weeks. Why? Because their friends needed help. So they're there cleaning up. They're there, uh, you know, requesting help from the Americans, saying, hey, can you give to this? Can you support cots? Can you, can you help with food for this, this clothing for this family? All of them, not just the ones in Jarnwala, including ones that have to drive three hours to get there. They're all in Jarnwala because their friends are in need, because they're not so overly busy, because they're available to one another. Being available means being willing to set aside our agendas and schedules and our plans in order to be present for someone else, even when it's unplanned. <laughs> being available sounds really easy because all it means is I have to just have to show up. <laughs> that's it. I just have to show up. But man, sometimes that's one of the hardest ones because we're so used to that structured schedule and we fill our days with stuff and we make these plans and then when the plans get ruined, we think, my whole day's gone now. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we be there for our friends? We have to start by being available. But the second thing we have to do is being available all the time, not all the time, but being available at a regular, uh, being there when they need us, being there when they need us. Be consistent is the second thing. Be available and be consistent. In Proverbs 27, 8, it says, Like a bird wandering from its nest, so is one who wanders from home. <laughs> now, home for most people is not a place. Now, when you first think home, you probably do think of your house. But home is not your house. Home is an idea. Think about this. Home is the place where you're at peace, the place where anxiety and frustration generally melts away, now, some of you, like me, have small children. You go, oh, maybe. 
But home, home is more about an idea and, and, and how it makes you feel than about an actual structure, right? Home can be a building, which is why we call our houses home usually, because it's that place when you get back to your house where you're like, this is my space. This is my space where I can just be me. But home, home can also be a person, right? Many spouses feel that way about their spouse. Or maybe you've got a set of friends that you're like, man, when I'm with these friends, everything else just kind of melts away. Home is established by being consistent because home is always there for you. Home is always there. You know that when you get off of work, you can go home. And it's why... Uh, it's why we react so quickly when the feeling of home is ripped away from us. You, you hear this a lot with people who have had their houses broken into, right? Somebody has invaded a sacred space of safety and peace, and it, you don't get that sense of safety and peace back for a long time. It's not the same because it's no longer consistent. Now, I'm not proposing this morning that you have to drop everything at every moment of your life to do something for someone else. What I am proposing is that if you want to be a sharpening friend, you have to be consistent. You have to be a place of home, a place of peace and safety and relief as often as possible. It means we can't fluctuate in the day we do that. We can't say that, well, today I'm a safe place, but then tomorrow you're telling that person's business to everybody else. Right? This is why scripture is so harsh sometimes about gossip, because it doesn't create a sound community. It doesn't create friendship. So, so we be available, we be consistent. And then finally, we have to be encouraging. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another person praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. See, we all have this need to be encouraged, to be praised, for somebody to notice that we're doing a good job, that, we, that we're seen for our contributions, that we can win those battles that we've been waging. Somebody needs to point it out to us. Now, this verse, the whole point of this verse is to say, look, don't be going around praising yourself. <laughs> let other people see what you're doing, see your fruit, and let them praise you. But the point that I'm trying to make in this verse is that there is an expectation that others will praise you. Others will notice. Someone is going to notice and encourage you. What I'm telling you this morning is be that person. Be the person who notices others. Be the person who's a source of encouragement to people. Because there's enough complaining and negativity in the world to go around. Christians should be the last to complain because we have the most to be thankful for. We let things go. We offer mercy. We offer grace whenever we get a chance because that's what our God does for us. Right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't make people long for someone to encourage them. We should just do it and do it frequently. There should never be, if there is someone in our lives who, who, is, who is contributing to our lives, who is who is an important part to us, something that is vital to who we are, a good friend, a close family member, somebody at church, we should make it a point that nobody ever has to wonder if they're seen. Nobody ever has to wonder if they're noticed. Because they get so much praise and encouragement from us, from people who notice. We should be people 
who are encouragers. Why? Because in Proverbs 27, 21, it says, A crucible is for silver and a furnace for gold. So are people in the presence of someone who praises them. In other words, encouragement makes people better, like gold and silver being purified in the flames. Encouragement, kind and true and uplifting words, completely changes the way people see the world. And the fun part in this is there's this great exchange because it doesn't just change how they see the world, it changes how you see the world. So what if, what if the church made it a point to be a people of outrageous encouragement? In Ephesians 4.29, Paul wrote this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. He says, be an encourager. Say things that build people up. Right? Cut out complaining. And be an encourager. So our challenge this week are these three things. To be available, to be consistent, and to be encouraging. None of them are overly difficult. None of them require you to spend any money. None of them require you to, uh, to go out of your way somewhere to travel the world. These are all things that you can do for people that you already see every day. To be available, to be consistent, and to be encouraging. Because as iron sharpens iron... So one friend sharpens another. Be people this week who sharpen each other. (laughs) And if you need someone, if you need somebody to be available this morning or encouraging, come see me. I got hugs, I got words of encouragement, and I can stay all day. Let's pray. God, we're thankful that when we think about being available and consistent and encouraging, God, we see you in all of these qualities. You're constantly available when we need you. You're, you're consistently there. You're never not there. And man, are you encouraging. Your word is filled with encouragement, with words of life, with words that build us up. And so we're thankful that that we have a friend in you this morning. And we pray, God, that out of this, this challenge to be available and consistent and encouraging, that we pray for your help. Because this is these are the kinds of people that we want to be. We want to be people who are like you. People who sharpen our friends, who stand up for one another. So God, help us to be those people this week. Help us to find those people this week. That we would live in positive community together. What you envisioned the church to be is what we want. So help us to be those people this week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?